0: Uh, Our message today comes from the Lord's Prayer. We're in this series, How to Pray, and it comes from Matthew 6, verse 12. And the scripture is simply this, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. That's it. That's all we're going to preach on today, just a simple little topic of forgiveness. (laughs) Will you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for this church, this time, this place, this people, We thank you for the young people that we could celebrate in that video. We thank you for the older people who are leading uh, in so many ways in this church and everyone in between. God, mobilize us as a people and teach us this morning about forgiveness, about the forgiveness that you have for us, for sins and failures we have in the past, for forgiveness that, God, you're encouraging us to extend to others because collectively our hearts have been broken and there's pieces of our lives that we want to hold on to. Jesus, teach us what it is to let go and to trust the situations that we heard about unto your, into your hope, into your hands. We love you, God. And all God's people said, amen. Teaching today is uh, each week, and and Raul will will take us through the end of the Lord's Prayer next week, but it's on the Lord's Prayer. It's this this series called, you know, Teach Us to Pray. And I've said it several times, but I know we don't all make it here on a Sunday morning, but in the three years of Jesus' public ministry, the disciples really asked one question. They said, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? They saw Jesus do amazing things. They they saw him walk on water. They saw him heal people. They saw him take fishes and loaves and feed thousands. They, They saw it all. But there was something in Jesus' prayer life that the disciples understood, even in their differences, even in their inability to forgive each other, probably, that there was something in Jesus' prayer life that was the secret to all of his downstream significance. So as a community, we're saying again, Lord, can you teach us how to pray? And today we're saying, can you teach us how to forgive? Because there's something in forgiveness that Jesus said is the secret to this whole mystery of growing as God's people. And I really want you to hear this, that if you want to, if we want to experience the kingdom of God together and live a bolder faith, we must realize we've been set free. And we need to help set others free. That happens in forgiveness. Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer, was a daily habit. He called us to pray daily. Give us today the daily and daily, we're supposed to be praying about forgiveness. Forgiveness is so central to the life of the believer that Jesus thinks it needs to be involved in every single day. Jesus thought forgiveness was essential to being people of hope. So it's essential. Because forgiveness lies at the heart of the Lord's Prayer. The ones who want to see heaven as it is in earth, on earth as it is in heaven, they need to be people of boldly forgiving. Experiencing forgiveness, extending forgiveness in that divine dance. And there's some here this morning, some listening online, that you hear forgiveness, and if you're honest with me, you really struggle to forgive yourself, because you're a slave to pride, or to guilt, or to shame. And there's some in this room that really struggle with forgiving others, Because you have an idol of anger or bitterness of hatred. Or you're like me and you struggle with both. (laughs) So Jesus is encouraging us today. Father, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And so as you dive in with me, I want this to be really practical and very personal. I want you to maybe even think, even right now if you're bold enough, who's someone you need to forgive? Where is a place in your life you've been boldly forgiven in personal relationships or in heavenly ones? And forgiveness brings all sorts of other questions about how do you forgive when the reconciliation is impossible? Can you forgive someone that's already gone? Can you forgive without blessing the behavior of one who's hurt you? Can you be forgiven for things that you can't go and fix? We're going to just, we're going to step in today and trust that God will continue to minister to you. I, I really, really don't, I, I really seek to, to offer a gift today as we talk about forgiveness, but I don't seek to give easy answers. And this is a hard one. This one has stayed with me all week as I've prayed about sharing with you. So Jesus says this, this gift is a release of your debts. And um, if, you want to do, uh, if you want to test our ability to be a community church, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. And you get to this line, and it gets like... Because some people are saying, forgive us our debts. And some say, forgive us our sins. And some say, forgive us our trespasses. I'm going to unpack some of that in here, and Raul will talk more about next week, because even how we end the Lord's Prayer, it all comes from uh, not even which version of the Bible you read, but a lot of it, the faith tradition you grew up in there's different explanations, but we're teaching out of the NIV, also the NASB, and I'll, I'll show you the Greek word that, that Jesus uses. Um, he uses Aramaic, but uh, we translate debts. We're going to look at the debts, the debts that have been forgiven. Jesus, help us understand that we can forgive debts of others as our own debts have been forgiven. Again, because Jesus seems to think that we need this every single day, and as we're going to look at in Matthew 18, the consequences of unforgiven sin is like being tortured, like being locked up and beaten by the things that we can't forgive, or we can't forgive ourselves. Forgiving others flows From the heart of the father and so our big idea it's on your bulletin in size two font because we're testing your eyes each and every week in here if you want to bring the kingdom of god friends and i do we do if we want to bring the kingdom of god we must live a bold faith we must realize we've been set free and we need to help set others free too so let's begin here with what jesus says is essential to understanding how to grow as a believer in christ what does it mean to understand forgiveness? Forgiveness in general, and then we'll look in particular to the Lord's Prayer. So in Matthew 6, right after the Lord's Prayer, the first teachings after the Lord's Prayer, in verses 14 and 15, Jesus does a deep dive on forgiveness. Jesus says here in verses, verses 14 and 15, For if you forgive others their trespasses—different word—your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So this is why a lot of the lord's prayer depending on your faith tradition uses trespasses because as jesus unpacks the lord's prayer from you know chapter 6 verses 8 through 12 or 13 the immediate teaching comes into this different word but jesus says forgiveness is so essential it's like being forgiven of a trespass so I find that interesting. I find it curious. Whenever you study the Bible, it's important to start to kind of widen to understand context. And so immediately after Jesus is doing the best sermon ever in the history of the world, the Sermon of the Mount, he, I've been there overlooking the Sea of Galilee where they think it happens. And as Jesus is looking over the sea and the wind's blowing in his face, and you can almost imagine being there. And Jesus you know, unleashes three chapters of, of challenge and conviction. and confidence. This is what it means to be my people. This is what it means. And, and then this is what it means to pray. It, it means to have a faith like this. Then Jesus unpacks that forgiveness lies at the heart of growing in discipleship as a Christian. Jesus says this is what it means to truly forgive, to truly drive home that we need to be forgiven from our own sin. And unlike the debts that's—I'm going to unpack— in a bit, uh, Jesus talks about forgiveness and he chooses a different Greek word for forgiveness in verses 14 and 15. It's a Greek word, parapetoma, which is the, uh, the intention that Jesus is talking about. It's a different type of word that's more about real estate, about overstepping boundaries about forgiving when people encroach your land. And so this matter that Jesus says, it's, it's huge because we will constantly be called to deal with people who are stepping into our spaces. Or we will be constantly dealing with our own failure to step into the right spaces or to step into the wrong spaces. So this trespasses is very essential it, we have to forgive people who trespass against us because we're constantly trespassing against other people. You think about a boundary line dispute where we bring out the surveyors and it's like we're going to argue over the inches. It's like Jesus is saying, "We have been people who though we overstep our boundaries, though we step into spaces that are unhealthy, though we've stepped into mistakes in the past." Jesus is saying, "In all these missteps, we have to be people with wide boundaries because people are going to step into our spaces." In the same way we make mistakes, people will make those mistakes with us. And so forgiveness lies at the heart of the Lord's prayer. Ephesians, Paul will pick up on this. He says, Be kind to one another, be tender hearted, forgive one another, because God in Christ forgave you. To be a Christian is to be forgiven. To forgive is to bring the kingdom as it is in heaven. I'm excited to teach you kind of a literary device. Uh, the Bible, like this is part of seminary classroom teaching. It's a literary device used in the Bible that helps bring the Lord's Prayer to more clarity. And it's the literary device, the biblical term is called a chiasm. Now chiasm is a literary technique used in the Bible, particularly used in Matthew, where ideas are presented uh, in order and then in reverse order to accentuate the word in the middle. Now some of you are like, mm, bring this Bring this home, Scott. You're getting a little bit out there, but just stay with me. So a chiasm, an example would say, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. What's being emphasized there is toughness. When the going gets tough, the tough gets going. The ideas are presented in order, then descending order to emphasize the word in the middle. There's a chiasm in the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer Matthew's gospel is built in a chiastic structure, consisting of seven petitions, carefully and chiastically arranged. The first three clauses focus on God. The last three focus on our response. So you see here, and it's a little bit blurry, but work with me. Maybe it's just my eyes. You're like, no, it's actually perfectly clear. So this is a chiasm. So the first three clauses, uh, it's about God. God, your name, God, your kingdom, God, your will, on earth as it is in heaven, Give us our daily bread, forgive us our debts, lead us not into temptation. So the emphasis is in the middle, the on earth as it is in heaven. And why that's essential—it's our next slide—is you compare up the part that God is ushering into and the pieces that were meant to be responsive. So God's name, most scholars think, is about this temptation to take the Lord's name in vain, or, or to put ourselves in the in the driver's seat. The kingdom coming is about us needing to forgive. And we'll talk about next week where your will be done uh, is about our daily bread. All of it is about on earth as it is in heaven. So the beginning of the Lord's Prayer is all about God. The end is all about us. And the correlation is what I want to dig into today. To be people that are kingdom bringers are people of forgiveness. So this is like, why does this matter? Like, we're going really deep here because I find it's fascinating the way that Matthew in his gospel retelling is saying, you want to bring the kingdom? Yes! Learn to forgive. Receive forgiveness. It's so essential to be people on earth as it is in heaven. So when we pray on earth as it is in heaven, but what in the world does that mean? What well, Matthew wants his, his readers, his listeners, the people, the Jesus people to, to understand is, Like We have a a step to take. We need to be people of radical forgiveness. Because as we're people who've experienced forgiveness, we can extend forgiveness. This is the emphasis. To be people bringing on earth as it is in heaven are people who know how to forgive. There's this quote often attributed to Nelson Mandela but I think a bunch of other people said it in a bunch of different ways. But that kind of about this, like, forgive others and bring the kingdom. Mandela said this. He says, not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And it's like, oh, that's witty, and it's true. When we don't forgive people, we're drinking poison, hoping something bad happens to someone else. And we all do it. We all do. So the Jesus' teaching here, when we say, Father, forgive us, it's, it's this reality that our ability to impact the world will be directly correlated to our capacity to forgive. And if you're feeling just a little bit uncomfortable, just, just know that Jesus, is, there's an invitation here. There's definitely an instruction here. There's an imperative here. There's not shame here. There's not condemnation. There's this bold invitation, be people who know how to forgive. A, a couple years ago, I felt like um, I'd been a Christian since I was 18. and I was at a, a Young Life camp, and I realized I'd been trying to control God, and I was desperately trying to—I don't know, kids, if you're here, but I felt anxious, I felt afraid, I felt lonely, I felt like I was performing for the world and felt like it was a mask. I don't know if anyone else can relate. I just wanted to be set free from that. And I became firmly convinced that only a deep relationship with God would help me really understand what love was. And so all of my efforts were, everything else outside of that was a waste of energy. And I got to a place at a summer camp in 1992 of just saying, Jesus, I want you to fill my life. I, I want to be a Jesus follower. And the Holy Spirit fell on me. And, and in the same moment of confession and baptism of the Spirit, it all just kind of happened in one moment. And I sometimes, like... Well, I won't go there, but we'll talk about that at different times. But we really want to encourage you to like, give your life to Jesus and have an experience with the Holy Spirit. So for decades, I was in churches and ministries that really undernourished this hunger to know more about the Holy Spirit. We talked about God and the Son and the Holy Bible a lot, but that's not the Trinity, it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There was, a, there was an undernourishment on pneumatology, which is a theological term as understanding the Holy Spirit. So a couple of years ago, I'd say Heather and I went into it together. In many ways, she led the process, and we were both just hungry to have a deeper experience with the Holy Spirit. And, and so we, you know, spiritual directors and lots of reading and lots of praying. And then it was actually Heather that said, you know, we had stopped at Bethel, which is a worship, uh, it's a church, but incredible worship, you know, in Northern California. We used to do a lot of road trips to Southern California in those days. She said, let's stop and they have these healing rooms where you can get healing prayer. I was like, that sounds great. So, you know, kind of that idea of like driving to Reading, it's like, what do you, you know, she asked, what are you praying for God to, to heal you from or what do you want to, to receive? I was like, I just want gifts. I, I want to speak in tongues. I want to have prophetic dreams. I want God to communicate with me. I want to have a significance. I, like, I just, I, I'm showing up at Bethel. I just want the gifts, and Heather's like, "Mm mm-hmm, okay. You know, she didn't say anything, and so we, we signed up for these, these healing prayers, and she was with hers, and I was with mine, and, and, uh, you know, before the worship service. And, you know, my entire, I I want to say it was 60 minutes, might have been 90 minutes of healing prayer. You know, I'm with this, this kind of prayer minister. and Like, what are you praying for? And I'm like, the gifts. I want them. Tongues, you know, prophetic gifts, dreams. I'm ready, you know. And she's like, who do you need to forgive? I was like, oh, no, no, that's not what we're doing here today. I shined up for the gifts course and You know, it was like, ding, ding, ding. It's called Healing Prayer, Scott. And we spent the whole time focusing on a person in my my family, actually, that I needed to do some work of forgiveness. I showed up wanting the gifts. And what Jesus wanted to give me was the gift of forgiveness. I don't know if you're like me, but I have a lot of barriers towards some of that forgiveness work because I don't like to go there. It's like, let's just... Keep onward and upward. But see, like in the Lord's Prayer, forgiveness lies at the heart of all of our growth and being set free from these burdens that we carry around. Jesus, like, there's a gift in here, but you're going to need to enter into it. You're going to need to use that get out of jail free card. You're going to need to ask for forgiveness. You're going to need to extend forgiveness because as you do, the gifts of the Holy Spirit the gifts of deeper intimacy with other people, the the gift of freedom, the gift of on earth as it is in heaven is unleashed in us. This is what forgiveness is. The second thing that Jesus, and now we're gonna go deeper into the particular phrase here in the Lord's Prayer, is this, um, this encouragement in the Lord's Prayer, very simple, to receive forgiveness. The Lord's Prayer assumes that we have debts, that we are debtors, that we live in a reality of brokenness, And so there's this encouragement to be vulnerable, to get honest, to be real, and then be moved to freedom. And so the line here is, forgive us our debts. Jesus in Matthew 18 tells a story called the story of the two debtors, or the parable of the unmerciful servant. And it's the same Greek word. I'd like to teach you a little bit about this story. In Matthew 18, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, which would have been a lot, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven, but 77. Like the far edge of what Peter could even, you know, imagine. That's how many times I'm calling you to forgive. And then Jesus told a story about debts and about forgiveness. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all he had, to be sold to repay the debt. Seems a bit harsh, but the debt needed to be paid. This was practice in this day. At this, the servant fell on his knees before the master and said, be patient with me. I will pay back everything. He just wanted time. But then the servant blew him away. He took pity on him, and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. He didn't give him time. He gave him freedom. But then the servant went out, and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 silver coins, the difference being, You know, inconceivable. The first guy owed millions, and the second guy owed hundreds. He he, he grabbed him, the one who had just been forgiven everything, and he grabbed the other man, and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees. He begged him, be patient with me. I'll pay it back. Same words that he gave. Same phrase, same verbs, same nouns, everything, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, when the other servants, when the community saw what had happened, they were outraged. They went and told the master everything that happened. And then the master called the servant. and said, you were, you're wicked. I, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow one just as I had on you? And in anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It's a hard teaching. Jesus said this forgiveness, this heart work, like we should be, Christians should be the most graceful people in our community because we understand of all that we've been set free from. Matthew used this word in Matthew 18, as well as in chapter 6, debts figuratively for sins both the nasb and rsv bunch of other translations talk about debts it's a it's a banking term it's a financial term forgive us our debts it's the what's owed in the court of righteousness it's a debt of forgiveness it's this greek word which means that which is owed it's that mean that's what we owe one another financially and so to be forgiven is like financially to have the slate wiped clean. It's tax season for so many of us. Imagine it's like getting an invoice from the government, like 20,000, 10,500, whatever it is. Bam, somebody else wrote the check. That's the kind of freedom. It's looking at your monthly statement from Bank of America. It's like phew, paid. I mean, think what that would feel like as Christians, we're supposed to feel that debt relief every day. We've been forgiven. Pete Grieg of the 24-7 Prayer Movement, he says, Forgiveness is simple but not cheap. It costs the cross. It doesn't matter what you've said or done, what you've thought about saying or doing, what you've been or who you've been there with. There's more grace in God than sin in you. Our greatest need, God's greatest gift, is forgiveness. Forgiveness. And Some of us feel stuck in grief. We might feel unforgivable. Uh, For some of us, we need more vulnerability to stop hiding from places of brokenness. Yeah, we, we blew it. Name it. We hurt others. Name it. We've made mistakes, but until we get real with God, we're cut off from His forgiveness. I really like a lot of Frederick Buechner's work on forgiveness and grace and shame. What Buechner says, this is to confess your sins to God is not to tell anything God doesn't already know. Until you confess them, however, they are the abyss between you. But when you confess them, they become the golden gate bridge. And this is why, as Christians, confession is so paramount for us to move into places where we can be set free from the guilt and shame we carry within. As Americans, it's not a strength, but this is where we can look into the culture of worldwide Christianity to to have a guide. One of Bethany's world partners is Rwanda. And Rwanda is a guide for reconciliation and forgiveness work. Because in Rwanda, they experienced brokenness and violence to an unspeakable degree. It was April 7th, 1994, when genocide broke out in Rwanda. Not from tribes outside the, the lands, but from people in their own villages. I think that's so significant. Not this external enemy that they could later blame. It was a different uh, ethnic group within their own country. In 100 days, 800,000 people, uh, Tutsi tribal members, were brutally killed by the Hutu loyalists. This happened within the same towns that people had been raised in. Not a highly mobile culture in Rwanda. The same villages, the same schools, the same churches. They literally killed each other's neighbors. How do you forgive like that? The secret was not forgetfulness, and it wasn't even just vindication because they literally didn't have enough jail space or courtrooms to be able to bring everybody to justice. And so they entered into a nationwide reconciliation process. They realized unless they heal, there'd be a perpetual circle of hate. And so they they called it Circles of Forgiveness, Circles of Forgiveness, That confession, not retribution, would be the gateway to healing. And Bethany has direct ministry in Rwanda. We have for a long time. And our pastor of missions, Nathan, has been in Rwanda many times. He's observed these circles. And so I reached out to him. I was like, what's, what's it like, these forgiveness circles? And he wrote to me this week. He says, the forgiveness circles in Rwanda, they were called the Gachacha Trials. It was following the genocide. It was an effort towards reconciliation nationwide in light of the reality that not a single person left didn't have a direct experience as either a perpetrator or victim of the genocide. Literally everyone was touched by the brokenness. So communities had to find a way forward, and the country chose the path of confession and forgiveness. And these community-led trials people would confess their sins to one another, literally saying to one another, I am your neighbor. I killed your family. I am sorry. Healing would take time, but faced with the impossibility of incarcerating everyone, sending them to jail, This is how they chose to start. The unity that Rwanda has found since is astounding. Formerly Hutus and Tutsis, they are now one Rwandese. We've gotta be forgiven. Forgive us our debts. And then final clause here, give forgiveness as we have also forgiven our debtors. This process of forgiveness, of giving and receiving so interwoven to be people bringing the kingdom as it is in heaven. The Lord's Prayer, it is said, is a cry for reconciliation. Lord, forgive us as we forgive each other. And as you look at the verbs in, in the clause, it, Jesus is calling us to a high task. Father, forgive us as we have already forgiven each other. And I read that, I'm like, I haven't done all that forgiveness work. But Jesus is giving us credit. It's like this work is something I want you to do every single day, to be people forgiving others, to be people who can receive forgiveness. And I know, church, there are people who have hurt you, there are people that hurt me, there are people that hurt us. And in many cases, we're in the same room together right now. And so maybe this is hard for you. It's hard. It's hard work. But the call to forgive is to the act of releasing our obsession with those who have failed us. It's pretty interesting when Jesus healed the paralytic in Mark 2, remember the man who was lowered down by his friends, the first thing Jesus said to him was, I forgive you your sins. And then the Pharisees like, wait, who can do that but God alone? And then Jesus healed him. He forgave him, and then he healed his body. Because this connection between the things that we need to be forgiven is so intertwined to the healing that we come to Jesus, the gifts that we seek. We want the gifts. Jesus says, you're forgiven. Receive it. Now extend it to others. Because God's forgiveness is inextricably linked to our own ability to forgive others. Psalm 32 says it like this. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. That's us whose sins are covered, that's us. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer, and then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I'll confess my transgressions, my debts to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising, the waters will not reach them. You are our hiding place. You will protect us from trouble and surround us with songs of deliverance. It's beautiful. It's challenging. People boldly forgiving others as we seek to boldly understand the things that we've been forgiven of. And so just some questions, that are on your bulletin as well, but as we kind of go into response time, as you think about your own walk with Christ and your own family of origin with your friends at high school, junior high, as you think about life in your retirement community and life as a busy parent, single parents or families, and in in all of our different stories, what's the connection between forgiveness and healing? When was a time in the past you felt forgiven? Is there someone or something you need to forgive? Is there something you need to let go? Incredible story of forgiveness that comes from this Father's Heart book that I've referenced before. Uh, comes from the story of Pope John Paul being shot in 1981. Some of us were alive, we remember that. It was 1981 when, when Pope John was, was shot. And oftentimes we react against the violence, but we don't understand the story. He was shot by a young man named Ali Akka. Aliaka was was born in a village in Turkey. He was 10 when his father died. He smiled throughout the funeral, but he hated his father passionately. The violent scenes of a father's brutality were seared permanently into his consciousness. He suffered by what he went through. Shortly after his father's death, Aliaka made a hate list of people and things that became the focus of his hostility. Only out of respect for his mother did Ali leave his father's name off the list. Aliaka grew up experiencing depression, accompanied by long periods of silence, withdrawal, Uh, symptoms of anorexia nervosa he he suffered from guilt because of his hostility towards his father he ended up believing the hatred was the only channel through which he could purge himself of these feelings he was an orphan left without the knowledge of love and as a teenager he followed a path of tragedy and crime including drug running and violence he was involved in a school of terrorists in lebanon where people learned the latest techniques of liberation and may 13 1981 uh, Mehmet Ali Akka's trail of terror ended abruptly, but not before broadcasters worldwide stumbled on the pronunciation of this unknowing Turkish boy. He shot Pope John Paul II. And then he went to jail, because when you do wrong things, there's oftentimes, there's repercussions for our actions. But two and a half years later, in late 1983, Ali Akka sat in a bare white-walled cell in Rome's Rabibia prison. It was to that cell Pope John Paul made his dramatic Christmastime pilgrimage of forgiveness. Although on one level, it was an intensely intimate transaction between two men, it was an example of Christian forgiveness. John Paul sat for 21 minutes holding the hand of the man that held the gun that wanted to kill him. Whether it's Protestant or Catholic, it's impossible to deny the significance of John Paul's action. What he did was profoundly Christian. He sought out his enemy, and he forgave him. And in that story, I mean, we're the shooter, we're the Pope, we're the bare white walled cell that feels empty, it's to experience forgiveness. We are called into the story. Those have been forgiven much can forgive much. So right now, I'm going to call our prayer team forward. I'm going to call our band forward, and we're going to go into a prayer exercise. This whole series, we've been talking about prayer, but we want to be not just thinking about prayer. We want to be praying people. We're praying people. And Jesus says that forgiveness is so essential for the life of being kingdom bringers here on earth that we need to do this work every single day. And so the prayer exercise we're going to do is just going to be this, we're going to have some music. I'm not going to make you write anything. I'm not going to make you come anywhere right away, at least. I'm not going to make you do anything. But we're going to do this in our seats as you sit silently. We're going to have some music. But I want you to pray silently to God with two prompts. Lord, can you forgive me for that thing? And then secondly, Lord, thank you for forgiving me for blank so, Lord, forgive me for a blank. Lord, thank you for forgiving me for a blank. We're, we're calling to mind some things that need to be confessed. We're calling to mind places of forgiveness we've already experienced. People who can forgive much have been forgiven much. And it's very, very complicated because in the call to forgive, there's still all sorts of messiness about reconciliation. How do I forgive in an unresolved relationship? How do I forgive when there's still this thing unfolding at work uh, with, with you know, finance or in my family or with my son or daughter or my parent? It's complicated. God, I, I, I can't fix the whole situation right now. Today, forgive forgive. And, and reconciliation is a different process oftentimes because two people have to enter into that forgiveness circle. And some of you are like, I'm not going to step in. and tell like, no, you've been forgiven much. And it lies at the heart of being kingdom people. So as we sit, just name what brokenness, what failure, what thought, what what search, what consumption, what mean thing, which every one of us name it to your Lord lay it out and then remember where he's forgiven you remember that confession's simple but it's not easy every single one of us has been forgiven by the act of the cross so we're just going to go into a time of silent prayer praying for something to be forgiven for a gratitude of where we've been forgiven and then we'll continue in worship will you bow your heads and pray silently to your Lord let's go Father, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Amen. I know it's still raw and I know I just took you to some pretty deep places, but if you're able to, I invite you to stand and we're gonna read this prayer of pardon together because every single one of us has been forgiven much. And so the prayer of pardon is a gift as we're reminded we are covered over by the love of Jesus we pray this prayer of forgiveness together as we sing Lord I want to lay before you all the weighs heavy on my heart reveal even the sin I'm not aware of Lord I lay these at your feet and pray for your forgiveness on me I believe you when you say that you wash us whiter than snow thank you Lord for your unending love for me Help me start fresh right now to make choices that honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's close in worship.